Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is February 17th, 2022, and in fact, it is Thursday, not Wednesday. But let's go ahead and get right into the word. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 63. be a good, good idea this evening just to go ahead and keep your Bible there, keep a bookmark or keep a finger there, because uh, this passage is really special. And this evening, before we start the text, what I want to share with you is something that has been authentically happening in my heart as I've wrestled in prayer, as I've wrestled in the presence of God, as I've wrestled through this passage. You guys ready to read it? Yeah. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now this passage has been powerfully at work in me the past few weeks because I've actually wrestled with it. I've, I've engaged with it on a very intimate level. I've been humbled to my core by looking intently into God's divine word and examining my deeds in light of Scripture. And that's a very humbling task to undertake. My heart has been pierced. It's been punctured. It's been perforated. It's been purged from simply taking the time to sit in my Father's presence and marvel at His holiness and nothing else, just being in His presence. Now, one note about why this passage of Scripture in the Psalms, is so precious to me is it was actually given to me by a co-laborer in the gospel, and he gave it to me in the time that I needed it the most. I was in my dry and weary land, and this passage of scripture was given to me. It's as if the good father has supplied, supplied my brothers with the provision that I need so that I can continue in the ministry God's called me to. Another reason that this passage is very precious to me is I began to roar over this passage. I began to growl. I began to fight in my soul over this passage, both in prayer and worship, with my family, with my friends, with the ministry team. And it's, it's infiltrated. Everything in my week has been impregnated with this passage of Scripture. Now, it's not that Psalm 63 teaches five neatly organized points that are uh, the key to success in life, the key to ministry, the key to pleasing God. What makes this special to me is it's what I was reading when God's presence met me. When I met with him, I was reading from the scroll of Psalm 63, and he met me while I was reading this passage, and he began to speak with me. He began to show me my true state. And I was humbled by it. Now, my week's been filled with repentance as a result of that. It's been filled with weeping and wailing and wrestling in my soul. Uh, I got locked out of my own computer. There we go. But one thing that I've gleaned from that experience from the last two weeks is our Father is close to the brokenhearted. 
He's close to those who are struggling. He's close to those who are contrite. He is merciful to those who cry out for mercy. I was reminded that he, is, he desires for all men to be saved, that no one would be lost. Now, the revelation that I got in wrestling with this was not that I had weakness, but that I didn't understand how weak I actually was. Now, we're going to unpack this the rest of this evening, but let me say it again, just so you catch what, what was so striking to me. I don't doubt that I have weakness. I don't doubt that I have fleshly desires. I don't doubt that uh, I can rise up in pride and arrogance before the Father. I know those things. I know my Nabal traits. But when I was in his presence, it was revealed to me that I didn't understand how weak I was. And I want to take you on that journey with me as we move forward in the word. But one passage that I found strength in this week is Psalm 119, 34 through 40. Can I read that to you? It says, give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. I find strength in this because when you encounter God's presence in his holiness, but you know his character and his body of work, you are not afraid to ask him for help to turn you from worthless things, from selfish gain, from the things of the world. Now, the earnest pursuit of the Father has left me undone, which is the title of tonight's word, undone. Can you say undone with me? Undone. Well, let's recap Sunday briefly, because Pastors Matt and Wade brought a very soul-stirring word called sign of circumcision. You guys remember that, right? Do you remember in Amos 7 that Israel was given a warning, a warning, and then no warning? In verses 1 through 3 of Amos 7, the Lord relented. And then verses 4 through 6, the Lord relented. And now we arrive at verses 7 and 8. And I want to read that to you. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line. I replied, then the Lord said, look, I'm setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Here there's no warning. There is no relenting. Only the judgment that comes from being measured by the standard of the word of God. There is no escaping having your life judged by the standard of the plumb line that is the word of God. This should cause us to be crying out for that transformational power of the word every second of every day. That word has only spurred me on in my walk as I've wrestled with it and I've cried out for divine refinement. I found myself constantly being challenged by the words that are being brought from this pulpit, challenged every single service, every single Bible study, every single home meeting. I leave challenged. You remember that they taught us from the book of Amos, man's heart has always been intended for circumcision. 
a circumcision involving immediate action rather than just a structure or a liturgy, not just a means of showing up to church, gathering to church, or going and then going home and going home unchanged, untransformed, uncircumcised in your heart. But tonight, my aim is that we do not do that. So I'm willing to take a little bit of time, explain what I believe the Lord gave me to share you, and leave you no room to leave here unchanged, unchallenged. To reiterate what I said earlier, we have weakness, but we do not understand how weak we are. Now, let's pick up in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and let's recap some of the highlights from the message, Is It Not Written? That was two Sundays ago. The reason is the word is still cutting me to the heart. It's still circumcising my heart. And it was in that week that this word began to grow inside of me from uh, preaching with Pastor Judah, wrestling with it through the whole week. This word began to develop in me. So 2 Timothy 4, and say a nun as you're turning there. Let me know you're there. We're going to work through technical difficulties tonight. It's going to be all right. 2 Timothy 4, in the presence. Did you catch that? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. This is where all good things happen, are in God's presence. Who will judge the living and the dead? And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship and do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, church, we highlighted how we need to come to grips with the reality that not only our past sins, but our current ministry will come under the heaviest review ever before the great white throne. This is why Paul is encouraging his young disciple to let his ministry be defined by action because he knows that he would be accountable for both his actions as well as his inaction. Is anyone still stirred at the reality that the things that you do not do are considered actions by God? To not do something is considered an action. Every deed is recorded in the book, and there's no escaping the examination of the Lamb. You remember Revelation 20, where earth and sky flee from his presence? His presence is not, um, it's not a small matter. It's not uh, fanfare and beauty and honestly just base like most of the world defines it like oh god is good and we you know he's he's really nice no earth and sky flee from his presence men fall down as though dead when they stand in his presence remember we asked you if all your deeds were recorded in the book what would be written about you this should cause us to live with intent every single day Knowing that every deed, everything we do, everything we say, how we interact with the world around us, how we interact with each other in this body is being recorded in a book. And I can say with confidence that what is being written from this body 
is beautiful, but we cannot settle where we are now. We have to continue to press forward because we know we have weaknesses, but there is a reality. We don't know how weak we are. So the striving for the deeds that were prepared in advance has not brought me to the place where I now know everything I must do in my life. No, it's actually brought me to the first thing that I must do, and that's repent. That's fall before him in humility, confessing the things that I do know that I'm struggling with. And he, in turn, is revealing the things that I don't know. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's very, very humbling. But I want to tell you, just in full transparency, that I have been the man in Psalm 36 too, where it says, For in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. I have been that man. Uh, not just last week and the week before, but even this week. I get too caught up in flattering myself because I feel like I'm doing very good things. Oh, I'm pastoring a church. I'm leading worship. I'm praying for people. I'm sharing the word. Those are all very good things. And I believe God has ordained them for me to do. So I am walking in obedience. But there is something lurking beneath the surface of my sinful nature that is flattering me to tell me that I'm better off than I actually am. I've also been like the men in Matthew 22, verse 29, where Jesus replied, You are an heir because you do not know the scripture or the power of God. You got two things wrong with you. You don't know the word and you don't know the power of God. My greatest failings in the last couple weeks are because I was not full of his word and I had no revelation of his power. Now, I've also done the opposite of uh, what Proverbs 25 directs. This is Proverbs 25, verse 6. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and do not claim a place among great men. I have definitely exalted myself before the king of kings in arrogance and in pride, thinking I could just tell him uh, what, I, what I was thinking about and what I feel like I need him to do. That is pride and arrogance in my heart because I had no revelation of his word and I had lost the revelation of his power. So all these things I've committed and what's horrifying about it is I was often unaware I just, I didn't know. I was, I'm doing what I can. I'm moving forward in ministry. But now I have this revelation that I am sinning in egregious ways when I get in his presence. And I was unaware. And what it caused me to do was immediately repent. Father, I am sorry. I have mercy on me. I, I am unaware that these things are at work in me and I need your help. Now, from the time that the Lord radically transformed my life, which is, when I came to LCM, I've been increasingly more aware of my broken state and more joyful and eager to have the uncircumcised areas of my heart carved out. But somewhere along the way, I drifted. I began to be a little too sure of myself than I ought to. I had thought I had been circumcised once in my heart that the Lord had taken this away and I didn't need to grow. And man, was I wrong. But tonight, I want to tell you that glory is due to God. Praise is due to him because he does not leave us like wandering sheep. He does not leave us as uncircumcised figs. 
Because when I was in a place that I was unaware of how weak I was, he met with me when I was reading Psalm 63, and his presence covered me, and I became undone. As if though dead, as if though I was utterly helpless to do anything for myself other than fall before him in repentance and begin crying out, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Great and merciful are you, Lord. You are so far above what I can even comprehend. Lord, forgive me for trying to make you into something that I can understand and relate to you based on my understanding. Lord, I ask that you would allow me to be servant, uh, the servant who is purified, refined, and made spotless. You know, the response that I had in his presence is the response that men of God through the ages have had. You want to look at a couple examples from the law of the prophets and the writings? Listen to Exodus 3, 4 through 6, and you can say undone as you're turning there. Many of you will be very familiar with this passage. So picking up in verse 4, it says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush and cried out, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer. <laughs> hey, Moses, 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 don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. It's because God's presence was there. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Catch this. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses, afraid whenever God called him, told him to stop pursuing him and walking closer. And when he knew that it was the Lord, he turned and hid his face. Now, we can run the risk of being a little too flippant with how we relate to the Lord. And that should settle in on us this evening. We can be a little too lackadaisical with how we enter into his presence and how we pray to him. Now, the greatest of all men, uh, greatest of all or men of all time, they actually trembled as they met with the Lord. They hid their face. They fell to the ground. He is good. He is a good father. He is a loving father. He's also just and righteous, and no unholy thing can be in his presence and continue to exist. Now, I want to take a brief aside and talk about the first time that you were in the presence of God, the first time that I was in the presence of God, and I want us to wrestle with this. Many people, before they met the Lord, felt bad about their sin. Um, they felt bad about lying. They felt bad about stealing. They felt bad about sexual immorality. They felt bad about gossiping. They felt bad about wronging their neighbor and hurting other people. Of course, they felt bad. So if they claimed that they got born again and they still feel bad about the same sin, what really changed? Not a, not a whole lot. I still feel bad about my sin. When you're truly regenerated in Christ, then your relationship with him changes and your relationship with sin has to change. The mark of a true believer is that he is able to identify sin in his life and put it to death openly and publicly. This is certainly how Jesus dealt with your sin. 
He didn't wait to get around to it and then sweep it under the rug and say it's gone. No, he dealt with our sin publicly and openly. And the mark of a true believer is you don't simply feel bad about doing bad things. You are cut to your core because it separates you from the one who extended grace and abundance in order for you to overcome that sin. So when you are regenerated in Christ and made new, your relationship with the Father changes. And your relationship with sin has to change. Now you can see here in Exodus 3 how Moses had weakness, but he didn't fully know how weak he was until he encountered the Lord. Of course, you could say, oh, you know, I'm, I've had some things that were difficult in my life, and I know that I'm weak. I would never be so pride to say, prideful to say I'm not weak. But there was something about Moses encountering his presence that made him hide his face. I'm un- I didn't know I was, I was this broken. I didn't know I was this weak. Consider Isaiah 6, 3 through 5, on the same topic. And they were calling to one another. These are the heavenly beings. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. If you read the King James, it says, I am undone. Ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. We hold Isaiah in the highest regard. And maybe he even thought he held himself in regard, high regard. But when he saw the king on his throne, he said, I am ruined. What I credited to myself as good no longer is relevant. When you see the king, there's something that happens to a man when he actually encounters the presence of God. And it's, it's not always raising hands and jumping and, yeah, life's really good. No, they, they cry, woe is me. I did not understand how unholy, how broken and weak that I still was or still am. For many of you, including myself, you have no problem admitting weakness, especially when it's not too shameful. Like, oh, I, I get angry sometimes. Or I, I say things that I shouldn't sometimes. But I do know that even if it is embarrassing, we are growing as a body. We're maturing in this, and we are growing in our ability to be transparent and the depth of insight in regards to our own shalom. This is why we are practicing this in homes, sharing what is your mashalomka? What is going on in your heart? Because we have the privilege and we have the Spirit of God helping us identify what is holy and good and also what is unholy and needs to be circumcised away. Now, if your heart is being separated between this is holy and this is not holy, doesn't that sound like you're coming a little undone? Like the whole fabric of your being is being dismantled in his presence. And I know I surely want that in my life in a greater measure. So it's not simply that we have weakness. It's that we fully don't comprehend how weak we are. 
And I know I'm getting many nods around the room. Yes, yes. And that's good. That's where I want to start tonight. But it's a very difficult thing to preach that, yes, you have weaknesses and you don't know how weak you are. It is horrifying when you are in his presence and he starts to reveal the things that you never knew. This has to drive us to our knees in prayer. It has to drive us to a greater intimacy with Christ who fully knows our weak condition. There's the sigh of relief. Jesus fully understands your weak condition. It is us who do not understand how weak we are. So I want to get to know the one who understands my weak condition. I want to be intimate with him. I want to have a friendship and a partnership with him so that he can help me be like him. He has the power to resurrect the dead. He has the power to resurrect your dead, lifeless state to everlasting glory. He both allows weakness in our lives, and he also gives us the strength to endure it with a joyful attitude. And that, that makes me love the Lord so much. And I, you know me, I love to yell and I love to sing and get excited. I, I'm humbled at how good he is to me. That in his presence, he can both crush me, allow me to see his glory and just understand a little bit of how holy he is so that I can see how weak I am and his response is, I will make you strong. I will not leave you in this way. So we covered the law and the prophets. Let's move on to the writings. This is Ezra 9, starting in verse 5. I know Adam Cora is excited that we're in Ezra. I know Elder Baj is excited we're in Ezra. I know many of you have been studying the book of Ezra because his life is a model for us to follow. His faith is inspiring. And after tonight, ask Pastor Wade about some of the Jewish thought behind the book of Ezra. It's actually astounding. We don't have time to get into it this evening. But let's pick up in verse 5. Then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement with my tunic and cloak and torn. And I fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God and prayed. Oh, my God. I am too ashamed and disgraced to lift my face to you. Doesn't that sound a little bit like Moses? My God, because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens from the days of our forefathers until now, our guilt has been great. Because of our sins, we and our, we and our humiliation at the, end of, at the hand of the foreign kings as it is today. But now for a brief moment, the Lord has been gracious to us leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. Though we are slaves, our God has not deserted us in our bondage. We have two things at work here. We have Ezra understanding his weak state, having just enough faith to get up from his self-abasement, but he doesn't do that and then move on in his own strength. He turns with his face to heaven, his hands spread out, and then he cries, Oh, Lord, calling on his name. Then what does he do? Hides his face. <laughs> I'm too ashamed to lift my face to you. There's a little bit of both in your walk with Jesus. 
a little bit of rising up from your self-abasement and in confidence going after the things of God and being in his presence and understanding, Lord, you are holy. And I've come to you because you understand the weak condition that I can't comprehend. Give me understanding according to your word so that your word can show me how I ought to be. Ezra was undone when he realized that his actions and the actions of his people fell short of the glory of God. Where in this passage do you see Ezra trying to justify his sin? Where do you see Ezra trying to justify the sins of his people? Where do you see Ezra busting through the gates of the temple and saying, all right, Lord, we got some things to work out? No, he rose up from his own self-abasement, turned his face to heaven, and began to cry out in confession and in repentance. And the Lord answered him from heaven and allowed him to continue the work. When we are in the presence of God and we are undone because he is holy, because he is mighty, because he is righteous, this should cause us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, with the highest regard for his word that is both cutting us and cultivating us. It's striking us and it's saving us. It's piercing us and it's preparing us. It's breaking us, but it is also making us. Now, we just covered three examples from the law, the prophets, and the writings. These men experienced the presence of God and were ready to do his will, his will on earth. They trembled at the power of his presence and the power of his word, and their response was, here I am. Lord, in all my weakness that now I fully understand because of your presence, I know that you are good and you will help me. Here I am. I am here to do your will. Lord, whatever I brought into your presence no longer exists because it was unholy. What is left is, is my willing attitude, my willingness to do what you've asked me to do. I'm ready to do your will as I've ordained it in your book. The things that were predestined from the beginning of time for you to do, for these men of God to do. Their prayer was send me out to do your will no matter how difficult. No matter the cost. Because they were undone in his presence. And they want to accomplish the works that were prepared for them. Do you remember how Moses prayed, only let your presence go with us? Why might that be essential for Moses? Because it was the only way he understood how weak he was. At the moment he stepped out of line from God's presence and began to act in his own strength. His good ideas cost him the promised land. If we catch this tonight, you have weakness. You don't understand just how weak you are. And you have to constantly be asking him for his presence, for his holiness to dwell inside of you, for his word to dwell inside of you, so that you don't go off on a, a rampage just operating in your own strength, creating for yourself Righteous deeds, creating for yourself things in the name of Jesus. In light of that, remember how Jesus told the people who were telling him, didn't we prophesy and do all these things in your name? And then how did he respond? Yeah, I, I never knew you. So you're telling me we can do really, really good things in the name of Jesus, but if we're not, we don't have his presence, meaning we haven't met with him in that holy place, then it's all for naught. I know there are things that I've done in my life 
that had been revealed to me this week that I believed were really good things and that many people would believe are very good things, but they were not birthed from a communication with the Father. They were birthed from, I think this is very cool. I think this is a very good thing to do. But we're maturing in our faith. We're maturing in our understanding of the power of God and the word of God. And what it's doing is showing me just how weak I am and just how powerful and holy he is. That has to be what we're searching for this evening. We need to be in awe of his holiness. And we need to seek him in humility this evening. We need to ask him for the works that he's prepared for us. We need to ask him for the things that he's called us to, for the direction in our families, for the direction in our home meetings, for the direction in how we relate to each other in the body. We need that to come from our father, not from things that we've created for ourselves and then we present to him like a show and tell. I want you to hear the hope in this passage. This is Isaiah 42, and I'm going to be reading from the NASB. This is Isaiah 42:16. This is considered one of the servant songs in Scripture. There's about four of them, and um, I want you to catch what this servant, I believe, is Jesus, is going to do. Verse 16, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. So my goal as we make a turn on this this evening is you need to fear you need to tremble before the holiness of God. You need to seek him in humility, earnestly seeking him in a dry and weary land. But the king of kings will come in and he will not leave you undone. But he can't fix you if you never encounter his presence to have your weakness revealed. So he is both the one who reveals your weakness and he is the only one who can help you in your weak state. Jesus made a way for us to enter confidently before the throne of the living God by his blood, by his sacrifice. We are unashamed because we in faith know that we have been credited with righteousness and the blood of Jesus has paid the debt that we owe for our sin. With sincere hearts, we draw close to the presence of God and we find refuge in the shadow of his wings. As we grow, not just in our weakness, but our understanding of how weak we are, and we become undone in his holy presence, he will build us up through weakness. He will build us up through trials, through persecutions, to become just like him. Now, I know this has got to be a message for some of the mamas in here. When's the last time you called your husband crying because you're overwhelmed, because you just don't feel like you have enough to move forward? Consider that the good shepherd, the good servant, Jesus Christ, put that in your life so that you could realize how weak you were, and then he could help you overcome it. Amen. 
These weaknesses, these trials, these difficulties are good for us. To be undone in his presence means that he will answer from heaven and complete you. He will bring you to full fulfillment. And I find so much hope in that. I find more hope now in the last two weeks becoming undone in his presence and knowing that he will not leave me in that state. He will not leave me as an uncircumcised fig. He will not leave me as a wandering sheep. Knowing that he will not do that, but he will actually bring me through those fires of affliction. But if you remember from Tuesdays, those fires of affirmation, man, I will be complete and both complete uh, before Christ and complete the works that he's called me to. Now, I want to share with you a quote as we get ready to close. This is from Oswald Sanders. Now, he was the uh, president back in the 50s, I believe, of the China Inland Mission that was started by Hudson Taylor, missionary to China. If you don't know his story, you need to learn about his faith and how he, <laughs> he had an encounter with the Lord and what that caused him to do for the sake of the gospel. But Oswald Sanders... He wrote this. The world's philosophy is what can't be cured must be endured. But Paul radiantly testifies what can't be cured can be enjoyed. I enjoy weakness, sufferings, privations, and difficulties. So wonderful did he prove God's grace to be that he even welcomed fresh occasions of drawing upon its fullness. I gladly glory even enjoy my thorns. You can be very terrified and trembling at the Lord's presence. But when he puts you through those fires of affliction, when he puts you through those trials, when he puts you in those situations for weakness, man, it doesn't have to be endured. It can be enjoyed. It can be enjoyed. Now, we started in Psalm 63. And now I want to read through all eight verses of it. Like I said at the beginning, this passage is very special to me. And I believe it will be very special to you uh, just from sharing my encounter with it. But what I want for you when you leave here tonight is to have the experience that I had with the Lord in reading his word. It's not that I got five neat little packaged uh, self-help points from Psalm 63. It's what I was reading when the King of Kings met with me. It's what I was reading when I became undone, broken before his presence, completely unaware of how weak I was, how prideful I had been, how arrogant I had been in the King's presence to approach him and just start talking, tell him about all my problems, tell him how I need him to help me fix this. That I can't even I can't even deal with that situation, Lord. In faith, I'm just going to let you deal with it. Man, what pride and arrogance in my heart. And I never would have been able to fix it had I not wrestled with his word and his presence meet with me. Had he not let me feel his glory. Had I not been able to feel his holiness. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary. And beheld your power and glory. 
Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. Man, have you been in that place? You don't have to fight yourself out of your situation. Sometimes you just need to know that he's your help. And seeing in the shadow of his wings, he will meet you there. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This is how we will respond to the Father tonight. By coming before him in humility and praising his holy name. By praising his character, his body of work, all of his glory. The result will be that you come undone in his presence. But he's going to restore you and he's not going to leave you undone. But it has to start with the brokenness in his presence. It has to start with the revelation of his power. A revelation of his word so that he can fix the things that you bring to him as confession and repentance. I want to encourage you that he will uphold you as you cling to him. He will continue to transform your life as you find rest in the shadow of his wings. He will heal you because he is your help. We want to be a kingdom of priests who minister the word of God. That's why we come to him pleading, crying out for the nations, for the salvation of the world, crying out for revelation in his word for our families, for our spouses, for our children, and for our brothers. We want to be a kingdom of priests who minister the word of God, not just a kingdom with priests who minister the word of God. This is for every single person in this room tonight. You can come before him at this altar. You can be in his presence. But don't come up here just to receive revelation based on the situation that you understand. Like, Lord, I've been prideful this week. Help me not be prideful this week. There are things that you do not know about your weak state that you can only have revealed by engaging with his word and being in his presence. As we get ready to pray, I want to encourage you as the altars open up to come and worship the Lord in spirit, that Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of holiness. Worship him in spirit and truth and allow his presence to realign your will with his will for the purpose of partnering with him in bringing heaven to earth. As I begin to pray, you can run, you can crawl, you can roll, you can sprint, you can weep and wail in your seat. This is LCM. We're not going to have a structure that says, if we do it a certain way, God will meet with us. What will allow you to meet with him is earnestly seeking him. To have your soul cry out and thirst for the living God. For you to be undone and begin crying out for him. Lord, I, I want to know you. I want to see your face. Lord, I know I have weakness, but I don't understand how weak I am. But what I do know is that you have the answers to help me overcome this weakness. 
Now as we pray, can we just agree that the Lord is good and we are going to pursue him with all of our heart? Mighty God, we come before you. Lord, declaring that you are holy. Lord, we are undone in your presence. Lord, we don't even understand our sinful state. But we know that you paid a price to redeem us from death. Lord, that through the blood of Jesus, we can confidently come before you. Lord, and in faith, we do that now, crying out for restoration, crying out for healing. Lord, I pray for the families in this room, for the men and women in this room. Lord, that your divine presence might rest on us. Lord, that a stillness of heart, Lord, that a revelation of who you are might be given. You are holy, 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 Lord Almighty.